silent ones. Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf cobra that stops its ears, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. Reading uh, this Psalms, you quickly uh, see that uh, David is upset with the judicial system uh, in his country and how they uh, have dealt with him and other good men like him. Uh, Matthew Henry states quite possibly that Saul, before pursuing after David with his men, uh, persecuted uh, him through the uh, legal system and branded him an outlaw, quite possibly to keep the people on his side after he killed David. Over in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, we see that Saul is conspiring with his uh, servants to have David killed at the hands of the Philistines. Uh, he has his servants go over and gossip that Saul would like for David to marry his daughter. So, you know, he sends them out there and he says, hey, you know, go and tell David that, you know, I would like for him to marry my daughter. So he's, his servants go over there and they start gossiping to him. And David tells them, it's a big deal to be a son-in-law to the king. And I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. Uh, so the servants go and tell Saul this, uh, what, what David had said. And, the king, and then King Saul tells them to say to David, The king does not desire a dowry. He would rather have the foreskin of a hundred Philistines. So, you know, in, in doing this, he's basically trying to get David killed. You know, just, you know, send him out there to try to fight with the Philistines and get the 100 foreskins so he can marry the daughter. So in hearing this, David and his men, they go to battle against the Philistines. And David and his men uh, bring back 200 foreskins. So he doubles the amount. And... Um, and Saul was greatly afraid, you know, because he saw that God was with him. And and then he became his enemy continually after this. Uh, much later, when David is king, he would uh, use this same tactic on an innocent man and, in, and succeed in the man's death. Anyone know who that is? Uriah. Yeah, the Hittite. Very good. But... God doesn't kill David here, you know, then, you know, but uh, eventually uh, Saul would be uh, meet his death. Uh, but it's amazing to see the evil of sin, how it warps the mind of an individual to have envy, hatred, and jealousy. But this is what happens when we are self-centered and not God-centered. Uh, Samuel, Samuel told uh, Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. A couple of verses later, he tells him that God has taken the kingdom of Israel away from him and has given it to one of his neighbors. 
and just and just as uh, Samuel had explained to Saul there in First uh, Samuel chapter fifteen, uh, verses twenty two and twenty three. If you want to turn there with me, so we can read that. And we read there, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For, for, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Last week when I was, I was I'm, I'm sure most or all of you heard that I was sick and then I went to the doctor, got a shot, you know, and all that. But I was meditating, you know, I was just thinking and just meditating and talking to the Lord. And um, I was thinking about Adam and Eve in that time when they had sinned, when they ate of the fruit of the garden. And and just just thinking about, you know, because usually people would say, well, if I was there, you know, why is God punishing us for what they did? You'll hear this many times. Or, you know, if I was there, I wouldn't have eaten of the fruit. Um, but we focus so much on the fruit that we forget that it wasn't the fruit itself. You know, it, he could have said, don't go out of the garden or don't climb the tree. It was because of disobedience uh, that uh, they sinned against God. And, you know, that's what we have to remember. It's the disobedience. Uh, just as Saul disobeyed God. And as you read First Samuel, we see that Saul had no desire to relinquish the crown. In fact, over in chapter 20 of First Samuel, uh, Saul tells Jonathan that as long as David lived, that he would not be established. And when David had killed the 200 Philistines, Saul knew and said that God was with David. So David, here we see David on the run. So we read verse, uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, go through the verses again. Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? Uh, verse 2, no, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. Some of the commentaries I read uh, seem to agree that Saul, through the judicial system, brought charges against David, possibly of treason against the crown. And David got wind of it and so was quite upset to be condemned unheard, to be labeled a traitor by the justice system. System. Did I say that? <laughs> In verse 1, he proclaims to them the very reason, the very purpose for being where you are. To judge righteously, but instead you are silent when one is wronged. When you should be protecting the innocent, instead you condemn them. In verse 2, he says, you weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. Um, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, uh, in their commentaries, they were saying that the scales and weights, uh, they symbolize uh, the administration of justice. Uh, turn with me to uh, Job chapter 31, verse 6. 
And here Job is pleading his case. And it reads there, Let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. I don't know if um, and too many of you know uh, Sergeant Friday, but uh, there was a famous saying that he always said is, uh, Always, uh, he always would say, "Is state the facts, ma'am. Uh, just state the facts, basically." Um, and uh, so here, the, uh, he's coming against the judicial system for uh, you know convicting them of being of treason without a trial. Uh, turn with me over to uh, Micah two one, please. Micah chapter two verse one. It reads, uh, Woe to those who device iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Uh, Proverbs 29.4, I'll just go ahead and read that to you. It reads, uh, The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it which we see Saul speak over in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. Uh, if you want to turn there with me, that's 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. And it reads there, Then Saul said to his servants, Who stood about him uh, here now, you Benjamites? Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Uh, so we see here the dealing of Saul and how he uh, bribes his uh, men uh, to rather follow him instead of uh, following David. But Samuel had warned the people back in uh, Samuel, First uh, Samuel, uh, chapter eight, verses fourteen that having a king to rule over them, that he would take the best of their fields, their vineyards, and give them to his servants. And here we see later on that he did so. So in light of all of this, David writes a Psalm 58 and voices their corruption. Well, we read over in verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. I like what Jesus says over in uh, John chapter 8, verses 44 through 47. Uh, turn with me there, please. That's John chapter 8. Forty-four through 47. And he reads there, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? 
And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Powerful there. We know we're all born in sin and why God gave us the law and why he commands us to train our children in his ways. And then you think about Cain and Abel. I just thank God for his mercy. We've got a merciful God. Verse 4 and 5. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the death cobra that stops its ear, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. Just like uh, when individuals gossip, it's impossible to take it back. There's a story of this lady that uh, went to her pastor, and and, uh, she goes, Pastor, I've... I feel really bad. I've I've been gossiping about some of the ladies. Um, you know what can I do about that? And uh, he goes, well, uh, what what you can do is uh, get yourself some feathers, and then go to each home of each woman that or each person that you've gossiped about, and put a feather in their doorstep on their porch. And, and then come back and see me. So she did as the pastor di- asked her to do. And uh, she goes, okay, uh, I've done what you asked me to do with the feathers. I put the feather at the doorsteps there. Uh, now what do I do? And, he's, and he says, well, now go back to each house and pick up the feathers that you've uh, put on the doorsteps. And she says, well, that's impossible. As soon as I put the feathers down, the wind blew them. And he says, exactly, that's the same way it is with gossip, you know. So it's best not to even start the gossiping because it's difficult to take it back. But here it's much worse. Where we should find justice, justice, there is none. Their evil is like poison. You fear to stand before them because like a snake, all that is delivered is poison. If they choose to destroy you, no matter what evidence you bring before them, they will not listen. They have already decided your faith. This is what happens when we choose man rather than God, when we put our trust in idols rather than God. If people were honest and spoke the truth, then we would be able to make better decisions based on what people told us. But because of sin, people desire what rightfully belongs to God, to be glorified. And we know that Jesus was also accused of treason, and we know because of their lies they hung an innocent man. We'll probably be done in about ten more minutes or so. (laughs) Verse 6 and 7. Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them flow away as water which runs continually. When he bends his bow, let his arrows be as as if cut in pieces. Now, he's not asking the Lord to literally break out their teeth. Uh, but their ability to cause harm. He's asking God to fight for him, to thwart their plans against him. Um, 
when I was reading this and 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 uh, thinking about the teeth and the lions and whatnot, when I was a little kid, I was greatly afraid of dogs. And I mean, I lived in Boyle Heights there, and, and Joe's laughing in the back. <laughs> he's seen he's seen me in action. <laughs> but uh, every it seemed like everywhere I went to school, I used to go to Sheridan School there in Boyle Heights, and uh, go up a couple of blocks, and you're at the school. But I mean, going one way, you run into ten, fifteen dogs, or you go another way, and and you try to find a different way. But it seemed like they already knew I was coming, uh, and it always seemed like the owners left their gates open. And, and you know, when when you're about this high, and the German Shepherd is right here at you know, I mean, he's he's about this big, and you you know, you're just scared. But uh, there was this, um, I think it was a Dutch hound. I mean, they're pretty big. But I was across the street from the house, and, and there's this big Dutch hound. By, by the time I noticed him, and I was frozen scared, and he's just barking and hounding, and, and he's coming toward me, and he's just walking. He's old. And, and I just started, like, crying, and, and this dog's, roar. <laughs> you know, because they're, they're pretty slow. But he goes to bite me, he goes to bite me on the leg, and he just barely touches me. And he he was real old. And what ends up happening is a a tooth falls off. (laughs) This dog's tooth falls, and I'm looking at at it on the ground. And then I start laughing and pointing at him, and he's just like with his sad eyes, just turns around and starts walking back and... And, you know, so I went from crying to laughing, but this is kind of what, what uh, David is asking the Lord to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically God is here, uh, here is showing us to cry out to him. When we're in trouble, remember Moses and the Israelites when crossing the Red Sea? And the Lord looked down at the Egyptians and he troubled them and he took the wheels off their chariots. And the Egyptians said, let's go for their God fights for them. So this is basically what God does for us. Or when or when God um, told Gideon, you're the man. And Gideon's like, you know, we're the weakest clan. And I'm the weakest man of the clan. And, and you know, so when God sent him out to fight, you know, basically that's what God was looking for, someone that knew his position. Um, so he sends them out to fight against the Midianites, but God wanted them to be sure that God was in the victory. Uh, we must always desire to be righteous and to always inquire of God, His will for us. Let me see if I can read that again. And we must always desire to be righteous and to always inquire of God, His will for us. Verse 7 uh, basically talks about uh, the water just, um, let's see what it was saying. Let them flow away as waters which run continually. And that's basically he's just he's just asking God to get you know to get them away or get rid of them, you know like uh, say you know how that saying goes water it's water under the bridge, 
you know, like it just, you know, like the just the rains we had just the other day. I mean, they were here, and we had some uh, torrential rivers one minute, and then uh, an hour later, it's just dry. It's gone because they continue to move on from the mountains over down to the ocean. And that's basically what he's asking God to do with them. And uh, there it talks about uh, breaking their their, their uh, arrows. Um, I don't know if you were, when you were young. I mean, when we were young, we didn't have a lot of toys. So we would always invent our toys. And we would get these branches about, about the thickness of the finger. And, you know, and then you get some yarn and you tie one end and then you bend the the bowl over and you tie the other end, you get another stick or something and you put a little slot on the end and then you got your bow and arrow and, you know, you'd have great time, you know, playing with each other. But as soon as that bow broke, I mean, you lost the strength there. It wouldn't go anywhere. Or if your, if your stick broke when it hit something, it got shorter and you didn't have anything to guide it on. So it would just wiggle all over the place and go wherever it would go. So basically that's what uh, David is asking the Lord to do is to, uh, to not allow them to bring any harm to him by their arrows or anything that they have. Just as we see in uh, these verses that we read that David has a personal relationship with God, we see that he knows God. God even said that David sought after God's heart. And we must ask ourselves, can God say that about each one of us? Do we desire God's own heart? Verses 8 and 9. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes, like a stillborn child of a woman that may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as as is his living and burning wrath. Uh, Here we see still David continuing to go before the Lord in prayer. You might say, knowing that God is in control, here David desires, David's desire is that God would heed his words, and basically do away with them. As a snail slimes its way across a path, it gives an illusion that soon it will come to nothing. And of course, a stillborn child is not living when delivered. As God continues to communicate with David and continues to prepare him to be king of Israel, we can also see how God can and does work in our lives. As we see the sovereignty of our God, I guess that was uh, part of the the last page. And as we see the sovereignty of God, of our God, uh, verses ten and eleven: the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance; he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that man will say, so, "Surely there is a reward for the righteous." Surely he is God who judges in the earth. Every day we see evil going on all around us. And through television, we see that it uh, even goes on around the world. 
And as we read the word of God, we uh, also see the violence since the beginning of time. But uh, we are able to rejoice because our God sustains us. Uh, He strengthens us. He renews us. He loves us and he redeemed us. He protects us. And when his people of when and when the people of the world see his strength in us, many desire to have what we have. That was uh, Psalms fifty eight. Now Psalms fifty nine. Um The time that is attributed to this psalm, uh, Psalm 59, is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, uh, verses 11 through 17, uh, where Saul sends some of his men to wait outside of his house, his home, uh, to kill him in the morning. So here again, he prays to God to ask for his deliverance. Uh, let's uh, read the first seven verses. It reads, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity. And save me from bloodthirsty men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake to help me. And behold, you therefore, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors, Selah. At evening they return, they growl like a dog and go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? I believe earlier that same night, Saul had made an attempt at David's life by throwing a spear at him. And David uh, escaped with his life. That's over in 1 Samuel chapter 19, uh, verse 10. So I'm quite sure by now that David knows that Saul wants to kill him. So now David's at home possibly contemplating, what do I do next? Or what to do next? Of course, we today know eventually what takes place. Saul is killed in battle, and David becomes king. When I read these stories, when I read stories like this in the Bible and how things take their course, um, and then I start to, you know, like say, what if, what if something, if someone did something differently in the Bible, you know, how would God have saved them, or, you know, if if we would have done something differently because God's always in control and, and God's plan is always going to work out. But basically I wrote, uh, and then I started to say, what if uh, David decided just to go to sleep and his wife decided not to help him down the window? How would have God got him out of this situation? Possibly like Peter was taken out of jail. He put the guards to sleep and walked and walked out a free man. So there's many avenues for God to do something. That's how they call the providence of God, that you know all things work together for good for those that love God. 
Um, and, you know, we can trust in that. We can know that God will protect us, that God will guide us, and uh, uh, we have uh, God there with us all the time. The bottom line there is that uh, David would be king. Here are, uh, anyway, here are these men sent by King Saul with the intention to kill David. And David's wife tells him, if you don't flee tonight, tomorrow you're a dead man. So David calls out to God. And what a blessing it is to see the heart of David. Uh, he first seeks the heart of God. Uh, he doesn't. He does not first look within himself for a way out. He doesn't make an attempt to get help from his brothers or from his friends, or begin to say, "If only my brothers would somehow get wind of my situation." No, he knows who directs his steps, who holds his breath. He knows who God, whose God is the one true God. He knows how God has delivered his ancestors time after time and firsthand how God has delivered him personally and how even now as he flees those that have come to slay him that his God will deliver him in spite of their number and strength or how mighty they may be and he write, and he reminds God it's not because I have brought this upon myself because of any evil on his part toward them. This is something the Lord taught me early on about reaping what I sow when picking on someone through uh, no fault of their own. I got beat down pretty good. Uh, For one thing, I wasn't fighting from uh, righteousness. I felt I brought this upon myself. But when I was in the right and was innocent of whatever came my way, I fought with all my heart or the Lord came into my defense. And as he's praying there that the Lord would deliver him, he also prays for Israel's deliverance against all the evil nations that come against her. And then his focus is back to the messengers. And just like the judges who spoke slanderous lies about him, he also accuses these messengers of speaking evil of him and at the same time saying that God is okay with what they are doing. Uh, Verse 8. But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. I will wait for you, O you, his strength, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall let me, let me see my desire on my enemies. Do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride. 
and for the cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth, Selah. And at evening they return, they growl like a dog, and go all around the city. They wander up and down for food, and how if they are not satisfied? But I will sing of your power, yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the, mor in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O oh my strength, I will sing praises. For God is my defense, my God of mercy. Although uh, Satan, his angels, and all people who do his bidding from the beginning of time and even now, uh, David knows that nothing that evil men do is final, for he knows that his God has the final say in everything that takes place. And if God deems it necessary to, inter to intervene in behalf of his children, he will. So David here says to be still, to wait on the Lord, for their strength means nothing when God comes to your defense. David reminds us that God whom comes in our defense is a merciful God. When the enemy uh, meant to end our life or destroy our marriage or end our career or our ministry with slander, that Saul desired to kill David with a spear, God did not give him favor, but allowed David to escape to see another day. Just as the Egyptians were utterly destroyed and how quickly the people forgot. When, uh, when lounging and waiting on Moses to come down from the mountain, they began to sin. David tells God to keep them around, but to deal with them in increments. Possible, possibly to keep the Israelis on their knees. I think God likes using snail mail when we pray to keep us on our knees so that we may grow. And also he says that the uh, sinners may see that they are being punished for their evil. And he asks God not to let up on his judgment over them to bring one after another upon them. And as before they behave like dogs when seeking to kill David. Now let them succumb to this scavenging for food. And because of God, because of the God that his God is, a defender of the righteous, a merciful God, a powerful God, he is able to sing praises as well as we are able because he is the same God to each one of us. Amen. Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for allowing us this time together, Father, as we read from your Psalms uh, 58 and 59. And, and just uh, as you did a work in David, Father, as that shepherd and uh, allowed him to grow into the king that he was, and, and uh, you're doing that work in each one of us, Father. Help us just to, 
totally trust in you, Father, for everything, and to come to you first uh, when anything comes our way and uh, uh, not try to do things on our own strength or, or to uh, uh, figure things out, just to always uh, wait and to be still and to listen for your small voice, Father. Um, bless your people this evening, Father, as they go home, Father, and uh, continue to give them a hunger for your word, a love for your word, a desire for your word, Father. Knit our hearts together. Continue, Father, uh, to use us mightily to reach out to the lost, Father, to uh, spread the good news, the gospel. And we just ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> 